How do I pick a college? Why are they all so similar and yet all so different? What does it cost? And is it worth the money? Will I be able to succeed? And what does my faith have to do with any of this? Just some of the big questions we'll be tackling on this season of College for Christians, a new podcast from Channel 3900. I'm Chris Gertz, history professor at Bethel University, joined by... Sam Mulberry, history professor at Bethel University. And we wear a few other hats, too, and those might come up as we keep going with this uh, new series. A series I'm pretty excited about, Sam. We've, we've had a few conversations that led to this, but let me just say a little bit about why we're doing it, and then we'll get into our first episode, which is really autobiography. So uh, the idea for this podcast podcast, College for Christians, came from a book notion I've been toying with for about a year or two. I've written a lot about, for example, how do Christians think about history or the liberal arts. What I haven't necessarily thought so much about is how do people even choose colleges and why do Christians sometimes come to Christian colleges like Bethel or to other kinds of colleges? And my kids are still a little ways off, but Sam, your kids are a lot closer, and I've got friends whose kids are a lot closer, and you know, both of us do a lot of admissions-related events, or we advise new students, or we talk to prospective students. And so it, it struck me that when I come to my next sabbatical in a couple of years, I'd like to write a book that would just give advice to basically high school students and their parents who are Christian and who are dealing with the college admissions process. And so this is a chance for us just to sort of think out loud before I start to try to write that book. And we've done something like this with a previous book, and we thought it was pretty helpful just to, you know, in some ways think out loud, create a document before. And in this case, definitely to get some feedback. Uh, we always encourage people to write in. And by the way, you should do that at, Sam, what's your email address? Uh, channel 3900 at gmail.com. And so as we go along, we will try to encourage you to share your own memories of like the college admission process, where you're at in the process, uh, and maybe especially what are some questions you have? I, I think this is the one sort of theme I want to go with as we do this, Sam, is that I always want to start with questions. And uh, whether we're talking between the two of us, hearing back from listeners, or once in a while we'll bring in some uh, like experts uh, from different fields like financial aid or admissions or high school guidance counselors, etc. Yeah, I guess I want to hear like what questions do you often answer, but I also want to know like what questions do you wish people would ask? And in some ways that's the hardest part. College is such a mystifying, complicated phenomenon that I think sometimes it's hard even to know like what are the questions you should be asking in the first place. But I, I do hear this from like friends at church or relatives, or I think about it myself, like, how do you navigate this process? What what works well? What should you be asking? What should you be thinking about? How do you sort out the different options that are out there? How do you think about cost and value? And also, like, part of the book I want to be, how do you make the transition into college, especially that first year? Um, what are some of the choices ahead of you? What questions you should be asking? And probably we just need to sort of start out vocabulary. What is financial aid? What is a student athlete? What is general education? A lot of the, a lot of the lingo itself, I think, is confusing and um, mystifying to people. So it's a lot. Uh, we'll see what we get through in like a twelve or thirteen episode season. But I'm really excited to do this with you, Sam. And uh, you know, I, I think it'll make the book better. It'll help clarify what we're trying to do. And maybe just the podcast itself is going to be helpful to some high school student or some parent or someone else out there who's listening. So are you ready to get started? I am. So we will, again, talk to experts once in a while. Maybe some episodes we'll do a little bit more research, but we thought we ought to start with ourselves. So this episode is all about our stories. First, as people who applied and attended, applied to and attended colleges ourselves way back when, and now as people who are in college on the other side, 
and as as I've said, our parents of people who are going to start applying to college. So let's start with our process of how we applied to college, how we navigated the process way back when. And Sam, I guess I'll start with you. Uh, why, don't we, why don't you just tell me like what what colleges were on your list as you applied and maybe like when this was and, and where you were? Sure. So I graduated from high school in 1995 um, and I ended up applying to um, four schools. Three of them were within the um, within Minnesota and then one was kind of my uh, stretch school. Not stretch in terms of would I get into the school, but more stretch in terms of uh, did I want to go what in my mind was far away. Now in hindsight, when I think about how far away it was, it wasn't that far away. It was a couple states away, but, but that for me was... Uh, was a big was a, a a big thing because I grew up in uh, a kind of mid sized town in southern Minnesota. So I'm from Faribault, Minnesota, about sixteen thousand people. But I went to a very small uh, Catholic school. So for me, uh, my school was about twenty five or excuse me, two hundred and fifty people from seventh grade to twelfth grade. Mm-hmm. So any school I went to was by definition going to be a big school <laughs> to me. So the 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 schools that I ended up um, applying to were. Uh, St. John's in Collegeville, mm-hmm. uh, Bethel University, mm-hmm. the University of Minnesota, and then Notre Dame. Uh, that was my that was my stretch school. So, I mean, right off the bat, two similarities. You applied to two Catholic institutions. Mm-hmm. Can you just say a little bit about why you picked St. John's and Notre Dame? Well, I, I mean, I grew up Catholic, so that that that's a piece of it. So, so St. John's was kind of a continuation of um, it was where most people, most of my friends from high school, actually, very few people went to St. Thomas, which is the other kind of big Catholic school uh, in Minnesota. But my high school was like a pipeline to St. John's, so it almost with paying tuition to my high school, it's almost like you got a free application to St. John's. Um, so that was that was the obvious one. Um, and then Notre Dame was just uh, kind of a dream school, you know. To be honest with you part of it was watching notre dame football Mm -hmm. in the the late 80s early 90s that was my favorite college football team but i also knew it was a really good school and i would encounter people who either uh just through through like church or or my high school stuff people who either who went to notre dame and that was an impressive thing or people who were like i almost went to notre dame and that was almost as good to me it was like oh this must be this is somebody who went to like a really like a a big a big school but also a school that i thought was uh was academically a good school now if you had asked me, well, how do you know it's academically a good school? I'm not sure I, I like could point to any numbers other than it's like it's a good school, right? Yeah. Like everybody knows that. It's funny. I, I certainly I, well, I didn't grow up Catholic, but I certainly knew about Notre Dame. I had Catholic friends who like generations of their family had gone to Notre Dame. I only knew it as a football school. I had no idea it was a research university where, like, in my field and like religious history and American history, there's some great scholars working. Now, it, it was a bigger school, but you also have a much bigger school on your list. Why did you think about the University of Minnesota, which is not a religious institution and vastly bigger than the other options? On uh, list? I mean, honestly, the, the large thing was cost. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I didn't understand the finances of college, so I thought, well, I'm, fr- I'll just apply there. Um, because then I have a, an option that I know is going to be, um, affordable. And then we can figure out what it looks like to pay for these other schools. Um, and my brother went there. Mm-hmm. My, he was, he was there at the time. He was two years older than me. So, um, I kind of knew what that looked like. It was one of the few schools I had visited. So, um, uh, not formally, but just seeing him there. So I could imagine what that was like. It was also the school that I least wanted to go to out of those. Okay. Lists. And then one of these four is not like the other. How did you find out what Bethel was and why did you apply there? <laughs> so um, Here, I should say. Yes, yes. Uh, so mm-hmm. I ended up applying to Bethel because the 
again, this small town I was from had um, multiple like middle school, middle school, elementary schools. So there was like a Catholic school. There was also a Lutheran school. And then there was the, the um, public schools. But the Lutheran school only went through eighth grade. Mm. So when those kids hit ninth grade, their parents needed to decide, well, do I send them to the public school or do I send them to the Catholic school? Kind of a, you know, a, a real choice you have to make there, which is, you know, you know, which is the right choice for your kids. Um, so all that is to say around eighth or ninth grade, I learned what a Protestant was because all of a sudden my class size went up by a third because all these kids from the, the, um, the Lutheran school came to, 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 to my high school and one of somebody who became my best friend in high school was um, not Lutheran, but was Baptist. Hmm. I didn't believe him because I didn't, I thought honestly, I, when I heard Baptist, I thought that was like a Southern televangelist sure. kind of thing. Uh, but it turns out there were Baptists in Minnesota and he, he knew probably from the first conversation we had that he was going to go to Bethel like that would just, it just was. So uh, as he being my best friend, I honestly applied here to be nice to my friend because he knew he was coming and it's like, it doesn't cost that much to apply. So I'll apply too. Um, so that was, that was, I don't know that I had a huge intent to go here, but that was why I applied. Okay. Uh, well, before I get to the question of why you went where you did, can I just ask where your, what, were, what was your parents' college background? Uh, my mom graduated with a phi ed degree from what was Mankato State University is now Minnesota State Mankato. <laughs> My dad um, went to like a trade school for to learn upholstery. Okay, so which he I mean that's he did that's not what he ended up doing as a career. He was a janitor. Were they actively involved in your college search? Did they shape it? And they in were actively supportive of <laughs> it. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think they were they were excited. <laughs> now this is my memory okay in my memory they were following it in the way you would follow like a top high school sports prospect like oh where are they going to go so like they were very excited about notre dame <laughs> it turns out like i should ask them if i disappointed <laughs> them by not going uh-huh. yeah so because yeah. i got in i mean so i should say i got yeah. into all four of these schools yeah. um but so so i wonder if there was a piece of them that was like oh you should go do this but they also didn't want to um overplay their hand or like push me in a direction so but i think they would have been very supportive if that's where i wanted to go okay so we know you didn't go to notre dame i think it's clear you went to bethel what what was deciding factor or factors in that decision so uh it was a narrow down process i didn't want to go to the u like that was that was an easy one to eliminate um and then was if i was was looking at bethel and st john's (laughs) because as i said st john my high school is such a pipeline to st john's i could look around at the kids i was in high school with who were some of my best friends in the world, but they'd been my best friends since, um, you know, since kindergarten. And it was like, well, I could have four more years of this because mm-hmm. I have this already, mm-hmm. or I could go someplace else. Mm-hmm. So like, so I kind of eliminated St. John's just because it's like, I loved high school, but I, I think I had run the course there. So I had the sense of like, if I go somewhere where nobody knows me, I get a chance to kind of redefine myself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I mean, not that I went through a major, a major radical transformation, but I at least could meet people who didn't know me, who didn't know my brother, who didn't know, you know, like I, I got a chance to kind of start over, which was attractive. Sure. Um, so then it was down to Bethel and St. John's, which is like, or excuse me, Bethel and Notre Dame, which is a weird. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that that's not a lot of one twos for people, especially in 1995. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll we'll probably hear more about like your experience at Bethel as we do this. But any regrets looking back in how this worked, or did in some ways do you appreciate the process you went through? Um, I don't. 
I only have regrets in like the multiverse sort of way. It's like I kind of love to see how the story would play out had I gone to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Bethel was so great, turned out to be so great for me um, that that's um, that 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 it would be it would be dishonest to myself to have regrets. Now I will say uh, just just to, to close the story, why I chose Bethel oh, over yeah, yeah. Over, yeah. Uh, over Notre Dame. Uh, it, if I'm being honest, a part of it was like I was scared to mm. go to Notre Dame. It was far away. I thought I would go there and be a, a little a, a little fish in a huge pond, and I could come to Bethel and be like, um, I feel like Bethel was would have been thankful to get me as a student, and Notre Dame, I just would have been another like, oh, we got another like good good high school student. But mm-hmm. Bethel, I felt like. Bethel really wanted me here. And, and you know, I think a word that we're going to talk about as we talk about schools is fit. Yep. And that's the closest thing I could say is I remember just reading their promotional materials and reading Notre Dame's promotional materials, reading their course catalogs. And I felt, and I'm not, you know me, I am yeah. not a person who's like, will say, think, do I do things based on feel a lot, but I felt at, like this was the right place for me. Okay. How about for you, Chris? So I applied to, well, it's seven or eight colleges, so as I think about it, I'll probably get it right. Um, I mean, kind of looking back, what stands out, there are a couple of groups of schools I didn't apply to. One I'm not going to say to see if you notice what it is. But based on what you said, one thing that stands out to me is I did not apply to any school that would have been kind of the natural extension of where I went to high school. So I went to a K through 12 private college prep school uh, here in, in uh, kind of suburban St. Paul. And a lot of my friends ended up applying then to pretty small, elite, private liberal arts colleges, either in Minnesota. A lot of them went to St. Olaf or to Carleton. Uh, Lewis and Clark out in Oregon was a very popular choice. Uh, places like Williams, uh, Amherst out in, in Massachusetts were popular choices. I did not want to go to a small private school. Like I, my graduating class was 43. I had done that and it was great. I mean, like I did a little bit of everything, right? And I wasn't particularly good at anything, but I got to do everything and I didn't really want to do that. And, and so one thing in common is everywhere I looked was a lot bigger than that. And most of them quite a bit bigger. And then past that, for the most part, I wanted to leave Minnesota. I actually did want to, both for weather and just for like getting away from where I'd grown up, try to something new. I, I mostly look beyond. And then they're basically, I think there are like two categories. Um, so there were schools that I had a family connection to. So I did apply to the University of Minnesota, but I really didn't want to go. And I did it because my dad went there both as an undergraduate and for med school. And he was uh, um, right up through this process, professor of pediatrics there. I, I didn't really, it was more just felt like it's my local land grant school. I'll apply there. I was more serious about Wisconsin-Madison, another Big Ten school that my uh, dad's father, my grandpa Garrett's, was an English major there and then a law student there. And I was thinking about law school. And then the other was Northwestern in Evanston outside Chicago, another Big Ten school, but a private school. And I was thinking about that because I knew my grandma Garrett, who I never met. She had gone there and studied, I think, French. And then I also was interested in journalism and the middle school is a really good journalism school there. So those were kind of my Midwestern options. Everything else, though, was out on the East Coast. And so it was three Virginia schools, uh, College of William & Mary, which is a smaller but a state school, like five, 6,000 undergrads, uh, University of Virginia, which is bigger, uh, and then uh, Washington Lee, which is a pretty good-sized private uh, university on the west side of Virginia. 
I applied to those schools because my high school guidance counselor, either she had come from there or her kids had gone there, but she kept pushing Virginia schools. And like, I liked American history and uh, I had a grandmother from the West side of Virginia who was a Latin professor. And so I thought about Lynchburg. And then the other two were Harvard, which I just kind of applied to just to see if I could get in. And then Georgetown, which was really my number one choice. And I was interested in international relations, foreign service, and I read the Tom Clancy books and Jack Ryan had gone to Georgetown, and that's why I wanted to go to Georgetown. Uh, so the, the one thing they have in common then is these are all kind of elite universities. They all would have been in the top 50 in their category in the U.S. news rankings at the time. And, you know, I'll get back to that. Uh, in the end, I, I went to William & Mary. And I changed my major pretty quickly, but, you know, it was, you know, had a good history program, good international relations. I was, I was happy with the choice. Yeah. So, I, I mean, the reason I picked it, though, was I haven't even mentioned cost yet. Like, that wasn't really what – it didn't narrow anything down. These were all decently expensive schools except the U of M. And I think Wisconsin-Madison I would have had reciprocity on. Like, I came from a pretty privileged background. Uh, we had a fancy house. My dad made a lot of money, but he was also changing jobs in the middle of this. And so, like, that was my list. But then in the middle of that, my parents were going through some changes. And kind of at the end, all of a sudden, I started to wonder, can they afford this? And, like, they never pushed me to work or anything. Like, they were going to pay for it. But I did have the sense of I shouldn't take on too much cost because they were going to bear it. And because I knew one way or another, this would not be the end of my schooling. Like at first law school and then graduate school, I had this kind of sense like this will continue for a while. And so I was accepted um, everywhere but Harvard. Harvard waitlisted me. Um, William Mary gave me money and it was a public school. And as it turned out, my parents moved to Virginia <laughs> that fall and I got in-state tuition after a year. And so it ended up I graduated debt free, which you know probably was the best thing about that experience. So do you have any regrets about yeah, I mean, my main regret is I paid way, way too much attention to college rankings. And I think, like, later we'll talk about, like, what's different about the process. But, like, my process was there was a database we had that I could get from our high school library. And then I read, like, college guides at the time. And, like, that was my way of narrowing it down. I wanted elite school where programs like history and political science were in the top five majors. Like, that that was my main thing. Plus, you know, larger school far away from home. Um. And like over time, I do regret that because it meant there were all sorts of schools that whether they were close to where I grew up or not close, um, I didn't pay any attention to, right? Because they didn't fit that profile. Well, and let me ask you this. I mean, based on what you currently do, mm -hmm. um, none of none of them, with the exception of Georgetown, which is Jesuit, are like particularly religious schools, right? And, and you end up being somebody who's written many books about the history of religion. So like... Uh, if, if you could go back and give write yourself a letter, you know, while you were in your college process, would you say anything to yourself? Yeah, I mean, I remember noticing that when I visited Georgetown and someone mentioned, oh, yeah, there's going to be a Jesuit priest living on the floor. Like, I didn't, you know, I don't think I really knew what a Jesuit priest was, but it didn't occur to me college was a place you went to have conversations about religion. Now, as it happened, one of the classes I took my first semester of William Mary was an intro to religion class, but that was how do you study religion as an academic field, right? And that was important for me. So, I think two reasons I didn't pay any attention. Then I'll get back to your question. I mean, the first is I was at a point in my life where uh, <laughs> I wasn't in rebellion because I'm too much of a firstborn rules follower to ever really rebel. But I had a lot of pointed questions about Christianity and especially evangelical Christianity. I, I would have associated Baptist with what you said, Southern Baptist televangelists, and that would not have been a good association. 
And so like college was a place to go keep working out some of those questions. And like, I always attended church, but it really wasn't until much later I thought, oh, maybe these things actually have something to say to each other within college. The other big factor is my mom didn't go to college and she was the main religious influence and her mother was a main religious influence. Um, but they didn't go to college to I me. Mean, like my mom grew up covenant, but she didn't, I mean, she was a poor farmer's kid. She never thought about going to North Park. She went to the Canadian Bible College, the Covenant sponsored for a year, and then went to nursing school. So I had no connection to what we often will call Christian colleges, whether it's, you know, church related Lutheran schools, but also places like Bethel, where like everyone is Christian, your professors are Christian, you study theology, faith is part of every discipline. I had aunts who had gone to schools like that, and one of them still works here. I didn't ever think about them. They, they, they never, I mean, you would have to drastically rewrite history to put those on my list. My high school was certainly a very different place. My guidance counselor never would have mentioned them. You know, unless I had gone to St. Olaf, which is a Lutheran college, uh, like an hour south of the city, close to where you grew up, that would have been the closest I would have got to something like a religious private college education. And so in retrospect, part of me like does regret that. Like I feel now it's almost, I almost feel like an alum of Bethel, right? Because not only am I so deeply committed to this place and how it does college, but like I write the history of it, I write the theory of it. And there's a part of me that wishes for a lot of reasons I'd had that kind of experience, partly because it would have been a real residential college experience, which we'll talk about later. I didn't really have at William & Mary. But in other respects, I know like I am the way I am and I appreciate it partly because I didn't have that. Like, and I had to sort of work out my path in other ways. And so I, I don't think I really regret it. And in the end, I feel like my graduate education and then my first years teaching at Bethel were much more important than my college and shaping who I've become. So as historians, it's a little hard to be like, I regret this because then you have to change the whole history. Right. <laughs> right. All right. So that's a little bit about our process. And obviously it's weird, but you know, one point we should make is it is weird, right? There are some kind of like common templates, but it is very particular, very individual. There are all sorts of factors. And I guess I want to say like, don't let someone tell you this is the wrong way to think about college, right? Like there are lots of ways. And then there are the things you don't even perceive in the moment that come clear later in time. So before we go, then, uh, Sam, let, let's step back. We, we've, we are a long way removed. I graduated from college in 1996. You graduated 99. in 99. It was the 20th century. Things have changed since then. But as, as chance or providence or whatever you want to chalk it up to have, have moved things, we are back in higher education. Uh, we teach history classes, but we do other kinds of things. And especially, I think you should talk about some of your other roles that might connect to the um, advising admission process. Yeah. So this will come up over the course of the podcast, but I've worked for the last uh, almost 20 years in academic support in college as well. So helping students make the transition uh, from high school to college, uh, learning study skills, time management, things like that, and then helping transfer students make transitions as well and transitions within between majors, you know, all those types of things. Um, so I spend a lot of time with that. And I've also spent the last uh, close to decade working uh, as part of our advising team. So help. So thinking about how students navigate curriculums, um, how they think about transfer work, how they think about pre-college work. I spend a, a great deal of time on that stuff. Yeah, and, and we both do a lot of admission events. We talk to a lot of prospective students. Uh, and I also, it's probably worth mentioning, over the past year or so, we've been involved in what one of Bethel's 
So it's called an early college program. So helping develop a class that's being taught in high school for Bethel credit. And so we've started to bridge that increasingly fuzzy divide as well. And then we should also add we are parents whose kids we, we I think, hope and hope are going to college. Uh, mine are sixth grade twins. So I'm more distant from this process. Sam, you're a lot closer. Yeah, right? I have a high school junior and a high school freshman. So, uh, yeah, we're we're close to being in the thick of it. Sure. So that, that, I think is something we'll, I'll lean on more because it, it is a little farther away. Now I should point out we're in a weird position in that there is tuition reimbursement as a job benefit. So that, that's definitely a pull towards either this college or colleges like it for our kids. Um, but I, I would imagine we're looking at other kinds of schools as well. Well, and I would also say having a son who's a junior means I know a lot of other students who are juniors who don't have that. And it's interesting to think about, you know, like, okay, how, is your friend thinking about coming to Bethel and what would the issues be that that person's going to be facing to, to consider that? So I think, I think you end up in the thick of a lot of people's college decisions. So now that we've both been through the process ourselves and we've seen it for a long time from in some ways the other side of the curtain, what, what do you see more clearly about the college admissions process that maybe you didn't see in the, in the moment in the 1990s? This is an interesting question. Um, as, as you, you, you prepped me for this and I, I wrote down some, some thoughts. I just want to, I want to, I think that there is a lot, um, there's a lot of voices that are speaking into the college admissions process for students and for parents. And I think those voices may or may not be reliable, have reliable information. I mean, just like anywhere else in life, right? There's just a lot, you know, there's a deluge of information. We have, you can go online and look up a thousand things and, and you can talk to people who've been online to look up a thousand things. So I actually feel like, um, I feel like as people who work at an institution like this, we're told what parents and students want. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're told things like, well, parents and students, they want return on investment. They want, and I'm sure we'll talk, we'll use this phrase a lot in this podcast, and they have an instrumental view of education, right? This is going to lead to a job, and this is, you know, and we're told that, we're told that. And I think parents and students are told that and told that and told that to the point where you end up believing it, even though when I meet with parents and students, I don't actually see that as much as I'm told that's what that's what we see. So I feel like there is a there's a distance between how we think about students and parents in aggregate and when you sit down and talk with a parent or a student about what they want out of college or what they want for their son or daughter. And I think it's worth us exploring that at some point because I think I think when you're sent a message that you're supposed to want this thing, you're supposed to view it this way, you sometimes feel out of place being like, I don't know that that's what I care so that that's the thing i care so much about you feel like you like you're like you're supposed to care about those things i think maybe related to that i think i see more clearly how complicated the place of everyone involved in recruiting is and that includes us right i mean we are part of that in a sense we when we're meeting with students like there's a part of me that hopes hey we have another history major coming right it certainly i'm sure feels that way to admissions counselors who are often described as the sales force right and we're in a moment where places like this we depend on tuition we're facing fierce competition for a declining number of students and so i mean i feel and i'm sure parents and students must sense this like they're being sold something mm -hmm. right and i remember feeling that as I walked around, I'm like, oh, you're putting on the best face. This is a big PR push and I'm being sold something just like I watched my dad buy a Taurus, you know, a month ago. You're trying to you're trying to put me in this car. Right. And and so in that sense, like, there's this sort of cynicism and suspicion. At the same time, I think I do want to believe 
we are all educators too. And I think when it works best, whether it's when you're meeting with a professor, an advisor, an admissions counselor, and notice they are called counselors and some of them have that background or a teaching background. Hopefully what we're doing is helping students make a good choice, helping clear up some of the confusion as best we can, helping you sort out why is this college on your list? How are you going to make that decision? How are you going to choose between? How do you recognize the differences? How do you figure out fit? How do you calculate the costs, right? That is part of it. And, and so I think it's a really difficult relationship, right? Like if you're a student or a parent, you're, you're going on these tours with these people thinking I'm being sold something, but you know, they actually do have answers to my questions. And at some level, it is about trust, right? I mean, like you're doing the best you can to sort of figure it out, but you kind of do need to decide, do I trust the answers I'm being given? And also, do I trust the sort of gut instincts I'm feeling? Like, I mean, you said like you just, you read literature and you read the catalog and you felt something. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we're told not to trust things like that. I, I often feel like those instincts really should be heated in some respect. Um, the other thing, and maybe we'll come back to this more because I want to do an episode pretty early on and, and kind of like the history of higher education, why it looks the way it does. You know, we're both historians and now we have a little distance from our time in the late 20th century. What, what important has changed about higher ed or how the process works that in some ways, like we have a sort of memory of what this is like, but now we're confronting it either with these prospective students or with our own children. How, how have things changed significantly? I would think? say the biggest thing that I see on a day to day basis when I'm working with students who are considering Bethel or coming into Bethel is that almost every student that we get now is what we would have called a transfer student functionally like that they have they're bringing in so much college credit whether it's ap courses or college in the schools or in minnesota we have post-secondary education option pseo or or any number of pre-college things we're seeing students come in with full associate of arts degrees who've never left their high school and and like that is great mm -hmm. But it also adds many layers of complexity. And, and that's another situation where I feel like people are told and sold one set of things. Um, and, but, and then they have expectations that, well, then when I bring this to my school, the school I'm going to go to, that the things the person selling me this are true. And it's, you know, and, and, and that's always complicated because like you can take a bunch of credits, but how do they come into the particular school you're looking at? That's the biggest difference. When I came, to Bethel, I did not bring a credit with me um, at all. Mm -hmm. And the people who brought in a whole brunch bunch brought in maybe like 10. Yeah. You know, so it was, it was an insignificant number. And now I am seeing 18 year olds bringing in 60 credits. Yeah. Now I think I had about 12. It was pretty unusual and it made no difference whatsoever to how I pick college. It just got me out of a couple of things in college. I would say the two that stand out to me, one I want to just mention quickly because we're going to have a whole episode about it. And then the other, I'll say more. One is simply cost. Like one way or another, both as like a f absolute cost, like college, both private and public cost more than it did back in the 1990s, but also as a relative um, share of income. Like mm -hmm. people are having to spend, households are having to spend more, they're having to borrow more because like middle class income is not kept up with that. I mean, in some ways that growth has leveled off a little bit, but it's still, it's a much bigger deal. And so in that sense, I don't blame families for worrying a lot. And it's why we're going to think about cost, about value. We'll kind of question some of those things and then point out the dangers of that. And we also will have a whole episode just about financial aid because that that's so complicated, too. I think the other thing that stands out is in some respects, I think it feels to people like they have a lot more information at hand because like when I got to college, email was new, but that was almost 
nothing. Like we had a database on a CD-ROM that I used to help sort out like which colleges had history majors that were top 50 or whatever. I mean, it was books, right? And it was it was kind of word of mouth. Guidance counselors played a big role. And now we've got the internet, right? So I think it feels like there is a lot more information available. I'm not actually sure that applicants are any more knowledgeable about their colleges now than they were in the 1990s, though. I mean, in some ways, it's almost too much information. In some ways, like my Peterson's guide that I used back in 1992 probably had relevant information much closer at hand than what people are finding now. Um, because well, and, and it was it was a source which you trusted instead of all sources, and you need to wade through that. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think this is one thing hopefully we can help people figure out, not just kind of like what resources do you go to, but like what should you be looking for, and maybe to some extent how you can find it, because in some ways that's become more diffuse and more overwhelming, not not clearer. Um, so that that's a little bit of our story. You're certainly going to hear more about us, but we want, we want to hear from you. So even if you just want to kind of share a little bit about your story, or maybe you just want to give us some questions you would like us to make sure we talk about over the next dozen episodes. We've kind of roughly sketched out a season, and so we've got some sort of big boulders to move, but we would love to know what are you worried about? What are you anxious about? What are you excited about? And especially what questions do you have that you would like us or an expert to talk about? You can email us at channel3900 at gmail.com. Sam will bring those questions to us and we might plug them into episodes as we go. Thanks for listening. Next time we will come to, in some ways, is really the big question. Why do people go to college in the first place? What do they expect out of higher education? You've kind of heard our version of this, but that by itself is worth an entire half hour conversation. So we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.